G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. How does one get a hardened heart? You get a hardened heart by continued exposure to the truth of God and a refusal to obey and respond to it. God's Word isn't meant to be heard and ignored. Pastor Greg Laurie says it's full-strength truth that can transform us. So let's hear God's Word as we ought to hear it and let it change our life because if we don't hear it the way we ought to hear it, it can harden our heart. This is the day when the lost are found. Inoculation can keep us from getting a disease. But what's in that inoculation? Often it's a small dose of the disease itself. It causes our bodies to build up resistance. Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie says we can build up a similar resistance to God's Word when we get small doses of that truth but ignore what God says. Pastor Greg shows us today how to respond to Scripture appropriately and to let it turn us into the men and women that God wants us to be. turn to two passages today, uh, Hebrews 11, which is sort of our base text for this series that we're doing that we're calling World Changers. But also I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 5. And we're going to be working through a, a few chapters in Exodus as we look at the amazing life before us. And the title of the message is The Danger of the Compromised Life. Now you remember it took a while for the Lord to whip Moses into shape. It was always God's plan that Moses would be the one to deliver the Israelites from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt. But Moses, well let's just say he acted a bit premature and took matters into his own hands and he made a horrible mess of it. You know the story. Uh, he was raised in the court of the Pharaoh by the daughter of Pharaoh. But one day he saw an Egyptian slave driver mistreating a Hebrew and he stepped in and killed that Egyptian man and then he ran to the hills because the Pharaoh effectively put a contract out on him. And there in the backside of the desert, 40 years later, the Lord spoke to Moses from a bush that would not stop burning. And God said, Moses, you're my man and I'm gonna use you to deliver the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt. Moses had a bunch of excuses. God responded and the Lord told Moses, it's not gonna be easy. But what I want you to do is take them three days journey into the wilderness. So Moses was ready. So let's see what happens now when Moses has his first confrontation with the great Pharaoh of Egypt. Now let's flip over to Exodus chapter five. Starting in verse one. Afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. The Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? 
Why should I obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. We'll stop there. So now the big moment has come. Moses walks into the court of the Pharaoh and says, let my people go. This angered the Pharaoh for a number of reasons. First of all, no one talked like this to the Pharaoh. He, he was a powerful man, worshiped as a god by the Egyptians. The landscape was dotted with monuments erected to Pharaoh. With just a word, he could have a man or a woman executed on the spot. And who is this shepherd that comes into his court? And by the way, Back in this day, the Egyptians regarded the shepherds as the lowest of the low. They were sort of the telemarketers of their day. I don't know what to <laughs> compare them to. but uh. And so for Moses to come in as a shepherd, and just to confirm the fact he has been a shepherd, the Lord tells him, take your staff in to see Pharaoh, because the staff was going to do a super cool trick in a few moments. It was going to turn into a snake. Let my people go. And the Pharaoh thought, there's no way I'm gonna do this. And he opposed Moses and he hit him where it hurt because he made the slavery of the Jews even worse, saying, take the straw out of the brick. Make them go get their own straw. So now the Israelites are ticked off at Moses. Pharaoh is not responding to Moses. Ever have one of those days where you think you're doing the will of God and all the doors shut in your face? And you're saying, what went wrong? Well, that's just the way it goes sometimes. But Moses was not going to back down. Now flip over to Exodus 7, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down the rod. This is the shepherd's staff now. Before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a snake. But Pharaoh also had wise men and sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt. They did the same thing with their enchantments. Every man threw down his rod, and they became snakes, but Aaron's rods swallowed up their rods, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So now a series of judgments are going to come upon Egypt. Each one is going to be directed specifically against a god of Egypt. You see, the Egyptians worshiped Pharaoh as God. They worshiped the Nile River as God. They worshiped animals as God. They worshiped frogs as God. They worshiped all kinds of crazy things. And so God's gonna bring a series of 10 judgments or plagues against Egypt, each leveled at one of the gods they worship. The first thing that happens is Moses' rod becomes a serpent, presumably a cobra, which, by the way, was a symbol of Egypt. You can look at ancient uh, Egyptian antiquities today and see the cobra was a part of their uh, whole look and their whole um, kingdom. And so the magicians, these guys on the payroll of the Pharaoh, are able to replicate this miracle. Now this is very interesting that they have this power, which shows us the devil has certain power. Satan is not the equal of God. Sometimes people think whatever God can do, the devil can do. That's not true. God's all powerful, the devil's power is limited. God is all-knowing, the devil's knowledge is limited. God can be everywhere at one time, the devil can only be in one place at one time. But having said that, he's very powerful and he can do certain signs and even what we might call false miracles. And here one is done, the Pharaoh's magicians do the same 
miracle in quotes that Moses and Aaron do, which reminds us that one of the devil's most effective tactics is imitation. You know, he'll try to stop a work outright, but he often will imitate, and this will minimize the power and glory of God and divert us. So this is an imitation that the devil brings in to dilute, to confuse, to deceive. And sure enough, the Pharaoh's heart gets hard. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's helping us to study the confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh today and how we can guard against the hardness of heart. Let's continue. Here comes plague number one. The Nile River is turned to blood. That's on in Exodus 7, 14 to 18. God directs Moses to go over with his staff and he calls Pharaoh to come and watch. And he puts the staff in the water and it turns to blood. Now, not only did the Egyptians worship the Nile, but that was also the source of food supply. It was a source of drinking water. Uh, they would use that water for bathing, for cooking, for cleaning, laundry. Plus they got fish out of that Nile River. And now it's all turned to blood. But the magicians come along, oh, that, that's no big deal. We can do it too. And they take what little clear water there is and turn that to blood. It would almost seem to be a bit more logical if the magicians of Pharaoh could turn the bloody water back to clear. That would be helpful. But they took what little clear water was left and turned that to blood. Whoever said sin makes sense. And because of this devilish imitation, the Pharaoh hardens his heart. But really what was happening was, was God was striking down their God. He was saying, you worship the Nile as a God. Your God just failed you. Your God isn't real. Where's your God now? You know, we can have gods too, with a small g. A God, an idol, is anything or anyone that takes the place of the Lord God in our life. You know, some people make gods out of careers. Some make gods out of relationships. Some make gods out of possessions. That becomes the most important thing to them. And sometimes something will happen to remove that God that has blocked the true Lord out of our lives. Maybe you're terminated from your job. Maybe the relationship unravels. Maybe the object you worship is stolen or damaged or whatever it is, your God is knocked over and you realize it was never a true God at all. And it opened your eyes to see your need for the true and living God. And here's Pharaoh, he, he's seen the Nile River turn to blood, but still his heart gets hard. In fact, Exodus 7.23 says, he returned to his palace and put the whole thing out of his mind. It's like, oh, big deal. And now plague number two comes, an invasion of frogs. That's in Exodus 8. And this is, this is a crazy plague, frogs everywhere. You know, when I lived in Hawaii years ago, as a kid, uh, we used to walk around everywhere barefoot. And you know, so at night you'd walk around barefoot and sometimes step on frogs. There's lots of frogs in Hawaii and they're big frogs. And I'll tell you, that is gross. <laughs> you know, have you ever stepped on a snail barefoot? That's so bad. You just want, a frog's worse. It's like, ribbit. Oh, is there a frog on my foot? Oh no, you know. There were frogs everywhere, the Bible says. 
There were frogs on the floor. There were frogs on the chairs. There were frogs on the ovens. There were frogs on the bed. You know, you'd kiss your wife goodnight. Goodnight, honey, I love you. Ribbit. Oh. <laughs> and it's a funny thing because the Egyptians worshiped a frog god. His name in Egyptian was Kermoto. And <laughs> made that up. That was, remember Kermit? Kermit the Frog, Sesame Street News. Yeah. It was actually called Heget, H-E-G-E-T. They worship a frog. <laughs> what a stupid thing to worship. God says, you want frogs? Is this your God? Here's a whole bunch of gods to worship. Have fun, gang. Yeah, and there were frogs everywhere. And then the Pharaoh goes to Moses and says, make these frogs go away. And then Moses prays and the frogs all die. The only thing worse than a living frog is a dead frog. I mean, stinking. And coming back to my childhood in Hawaii, uh, we would get up in the morning and there would be all these frogs laying on the street that were run over by cars, you know? They were like in this little, like this position. <laughs> and they made great little frisbees, frog frisbee. They were only good for one throw. They <laughs> fell apart, but this is all true. But, um, and the Bible says the land stank. That's a good biblical word if someone isn't smelling well. You know, you need to take a shower, bro, man. You'd be stinking, you know. The land stank. So Pharaoh, of course, now his heart softened and he responded, no. Exodus 8, 15. Pharaoh saw there was relief and he hardened his heart. This is so typical of non-believers. Pharaoh asked Moses to call on God. And Moses did. And once the crisis was gone, Pharaoh said, great, I'll go back to being hard again. Heard about a hospital chaplain who kept a record of some 2,000 patients, all of whom were near death, or at least thought they were. And uh, what he found was, of those who were sorry and repentant for their sins, when they were, were stored back to health, he felt only two out of 2,000 showed a marked change in their spiritual lives after their recovery. In other words, when they thought they were dying, oh God, help me. Oh God, I turn to you. And then when they recovered, oh, thanks God, see you later. That's what the Pharaoh was doing. Oh, you got me out of this mess? Well, I, I'll just go back to hardening my heart. So what's going on with this heart of Pharaoh? And this raises one of the apparent contradictions in the Bible. Because we read here that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But then later on in Exodus 10, 1, we read, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Contradiction. Who hardened the heart? Was it God or was it Pharaoh? The answer, both. It's not a contradiction. It's two sides of the same coin. Initially, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Listen, God has given to you a free will. The choice is yours. You decide if you will go to heaven or hell. You decide if you will follow Christ or Satan. You decide if your sins will be forgiven or you'll have to give an account for them. That's all up to you. But once you've made that decision, God, in effect, will strengthen you in it. If it's a decision to follow Christ, He will strengthen you in that decision. Because a better translation of the word used when it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart would be God strengthened or stiffened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh initially hardened his heart and God confirmed him in that hardness. So you're the one who decides ultimately but then the Lord will confirm you in the position you hold. He will not violate your free will. He will not overrule your free will. And that's exactly what happened 
to Pharaoh. And his heart got harder and harder. And the more signs that were done before him, the harder his heart got. Listen to this. How does one get a hardened heart? You might be surprised by my answer. You get a hardened heart by continued exposure to the truth of God and a refusal to obey and respond to it. Let me say that again. You get a hard heart by continued exposure to the Word of God or the truth of God and a refusal on your part to obey and respond to it. We might think that the worst thing that can happen to a person is if they get into some sexual lifestyle, be it drinking or partying or drugs or whatever it is. But listen, there's more chance for the person who's in the grip of some specific sin and still retains a heart and a conscience than for the man or woman who is hardened. And where is the easiest place to get a hardened heart? Right here. Yes, you heard me right. Right here in church. Because some will hear the Word of God and they'll receive the Word of God and they'll obey the Word of God and they'll be changed by God. And others will hear the Word of God. They may not even hear it. They may have earplugs in or doing something else. But they'll just blow it off. And then their heart will get hard hearing God's Word. So let's hear God's Word as we ought to hear it and let it change our life. Because if we don't hear it the way we ought to hear it, it can harden our heart and you can end up like Pharaoh. Pastor Greg Laurie with the solution to the dangerous condition of compromise. Now tomorrow, as we continue this study of Moses' confrontation with Pharaoh, Pastor Greg brings practical insight on how to stand our ground against our adversary, the devil. Be sure to tune in same time tomorrow on A New Beginning. If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. Search The Danger of the Compromised Life at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.